Sleep is the golden chain that ties health and our bodies together. Thomas Decker. Man's time here is finite, but the influence of a man is infinite. The question is what shall we do with the daylight that remains? Welcome back to the show. Today we are going to talk about sleep and weight gain and the correlation between those. I pulled down the book Why We Sleep Again because it has this very, very interesting section on the topic. Of course, the book Why We Sleep, we've done a couple episodes on it and it has tons and tons of studies uh, about all aspects of sleep and the effects of the body, the effects it has on your brain, on your heart, on your metabolism, on your emotional state, energy levels, countless other things. So one of my favorite books as far as truly understanding what sleep does for our health in many aspects. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about that. Before we jump into the book, though, I want to thank you guys for all the support you've you've given here to the show. We almost tripled our downloads from October to November, and we're already beyond the halfway point of November's downloads, and it's just December eighth. So we're gonna we're gonna triple again, and so I can't thank you enough for that. Uh, we've seen several good reviews coming in and ratings, and that helps us reach a broader audience. So things are growing quickly, and I appreciate that so much. Uh, also, the Instagram account is growing quickly as well. So if you are not following us over there, head over to Instagram at Build the Life You Want BW, as in Bronson Wilkes. Uh, build the Life You Want BW, and follow us there. Alrighty, let's get into this. So sleep has just an enormous effect on your ability to make food choices, your metabolism, your energy levels and things like that. So I wanted I want to jump into some of those in some detail that Matthew Walker lays out in his book Why We Sleep. So for starters, we're going to look at the section called Sleep Loss and Metabolism, Diabetes and Weight Gain. He says the less you sleep, the more you're likely to eat. In addition, your body becomes unable to manage those calories effectively especially the concentrations of sugar in your blood. Now, for those of you kind of unfamiliar with diabetes, there's two types of diabetes. Type 1, which is an inherited trait, uh, has nothing to do with your, your diet. And then there's type 2 diabetes, which can have genetic markers as well, but also is associated with your lifestyle. And a lot of people who are pre-diabetic can actually reverse that with lifestyle changes. Uh, others cannot. Uh, so it's not all super clear cut and dry, but what we do know is that lifestyle can contribute to that. And diabetes is an extremely expensive thing in healthcare. It's a horrible thing to live with, especially if it gets out of control. Uh, people can lose limbs. As a nurse, I've taken care of these people. I actually had a, a patient crash at lunchtime, literally fell right over in her food and we had to pull her out of the dining room and hurry and pull out the emergency kit and, and give her quick uh, glucose injections and things to try and bring her back. Luckily, she did come out of it, but her blood sugar reading was as close to death as you can get. So it was, it was pretty wild. Your blood sugar is critical to your life and it has an effect on your cravings as well. 
your mood, your cravings, all kinds of things. Back to the book, he says, sugar is a dangerous thing in your diet. Yes, but here I'm referring to that which is currently circulating in your bloodstream. Excessively high levels of blood sugar or glucose over weeks or years inflicts a surprising harm to the tissues and organs of your body, worsens your health and shortens your lifespan. Eye disease that can end in blindness, nerve disease that commonly results in amputation and kidney failure, necessitating dialysis or transplant are all consequences of prolonged high blood sugar, as are hypertension and heart disease but it is the condition of type 2 diabetes that I'm most commonly and immediately related to unregulated blood sugar. In a healthy individual, the hormone insulin will trigger the cells of your body to swiftly absorb glucose from the bloodstream should it increase, as happens after eating a meal. Instructed by insulin, the cells of your body will open special channels on their surface that operate like wonderfully efficient roadside drains at the height of a downpour. They have no problem dealing with the deluge of glucose coursing down the transit arteries, averting what could otherwise be a dangerous flood of sugar in the bloodstream. If the cells of your body stop responding to insulin, however, they cannot efficiently absorb glucose from the blood, similar to roadside drains that become blocked or erroneously closed shut. The arising swell of blood sugar cannot be brought back down to safe levels. At this point, the body has transitioned into a hyperglycemic state. Should this condition persist and the cells of your body remain intolerant to the dealing with the high levels of glucose, you will transition into a pre-diabetic state and ultimately develop full-blown type 2 diabetes. Early warning signs of a link between sleep loss and abnormal blood sugar emerged in a series of large epidemiological studies spanning several continents. Independent of one another, the research groups found far higher rates of type 2 diabetes among individuals that reported sleeping less than six hours a night routinely. The association remained significant even when adjusted for other contributing factors such as body weight, alcohol, smoking, age, gender, race, and caffeine use. Powerful as these studies are, they do not inform the direction of causality. Does the state of diabetes impair your sleep or does short sleep impair your body's ability to regulate blood sugar, thereby causing diabetes? To answer this question, scientists had to conduct carefully controlled experiments with healthy adults who had no existing signs of diabetes or issues with blood sugar. In the first of these studies, participants were limited to sleeping four hours a night for six nights. By the end of that week, these formerly healthy participants were 40% less effective at absorbing a standard dose of glucose compared to when they were fully rested. To give you a sense of what that means, if the researchers showed those blood sugar readings to an unwitting family doctor, the GP would immediately classify that individual as being pre-diabetic. They would start a rapid intervention program to prevent the development of irreversible type 2 diabetes. Numerous scientific laboratories around the world have replicated this alarming effect of short sleep, some with even less aggressive reduction in sleep amount. How does a lack of sleep hijack the body's effective control of blood sugar? Was it a blockade of insulin release, removing the essential instruction for the cells to absorb glucose, or had the cells themselves become unresponsive to an otherwise normal and present message of insulin? As we have discovered, both are true, though the most compelling evidence indicates the latter. By taking small tissue samples or biopsies from participants at the end of the above experiments, we can examine how the cells of the body are operating. 
After participants had been restricted to four to five hours of sleep for a week, the cells of these tired individuals had become far less receptive to insulin. In this sleep-deprived state, the cells were stubbornly resisting the message from insulin and refusing to open up their surface channels. Isn't that crazy? Like That's so fascinating to me that the body, the, the cells of your body literally stop doing the job they're supposed to do because you're sleep deprived. Now, I'm sure the mechanisms of action and things are yet to be discovered and, and why that is the case. But what we do know from many, many studies and scientists all over the world is that sleep is the thing that heals and repairs every aspect of your body. So exercise, things like that, send all kinds of messages to your brain saying, we need help, we need support, Hormones are going throughout your body, uh, messaging back and forth, but it's during sleep that that support actually is given where the repairs are made, where the building up of different parts of the body, organs and systems all improve during your sleep. So why would we think that blood sugar control and insulin control is any different? All right. So moving into the section called weight gain and obesity, this is a pretty interesting section. He starts off by talking about the two hormones, leptin and ghrelin, and these are two hormones associated with your hunger. Okay. So leptin signals a sense of feeling full. So when you're full, it sort of tells your body, listen, we've had enough. And ghrelin, in contrast, triggers a strong sensation of hunger. So the longer you go without eating, the more ghrelin is in your blood. Now, just a week ago, I talked about the change your mind, change the game, uh, Ted talk where they gave people milkshakes. They told one that it was really high calorie one, the other group that it was low calorie and then tested their ghrelin in their blood. The ones that had the low calorie milkshake, and I'm doing air quotes because the shakes were actually the exact same. The ones that had the low calorie shake had higher levels of ghrelin in their blood saying we still need more. (laughs) And they, they felt hungry. So that's what these two things do. Leptin says, I'm full. Ghrelin says, I'm hungry. Now, I'm going to paraphrase some of this, but he says, over the past 30 years, my colleague, Dr. E. Van Cotter and the University of Chicago has tirelessly conducted research on the link between sleep and appetite that is as brilliant as it is impactful. So basically, they took, they found people who had similar lifestyles and created certain controls to be able to understand the true impact of, of sleep and their hunger and the appetite hormones and things like that. And he says, using precisely this experimental design in a group of healthy lean participants, Van Cotter discovered that individuals were far more ravenous when sleeping four to five hours a night. This despite being given the same amount of food and being similarly active, which kept the hunger levels of these same individuals under calm control when they were getting eight or more hours of sleep. The strong rise of hunger, pangs, and increased reported appetite occurred rapidly by just the second day of short sleeping. At fault were the two characters, leptin and ghrelin. Inadequate sleep decreased concentrations of the satiating signaling hormone leptin and increased levels of the hunger instigating hormone ghrelin. It was a classic case of psychological double jeopardy. Participants were being punished twice for the same offense of short sleeping, once by having the I'm full signal removed from their system, and once by gaining the I'm still hungry feeling being amplified. 
As a result, participants just didn't feel satisfied by food when they were short sleeping. So to wrap that up, I mean, you you basically sleep less, you're going to feel more hunger. And part of why that's a problem is when you're short on sleep, you also are prone to make worse decisions because your brain is tired. And the way he describes in another part of the book, it's like the gas and brake pedals of your prefrontal cortex, which are the emotions and decision-making center of your brain. They're sort of removed. So you live in more, a slightly more of a bipolar state. You almost go back to your teenage years where everything in your brain is developed except your prefrontal cortex. So you have the brain of an adult and the decision-making of a child. That sort of, a, a similar sort of state comes over you when you're sleep deprived. So your decision-making becomes worse and you have these hormones calling your name saying, I need, I need food, I need food. When short sleeping, the very same individuals ate 300 calories more each day or well over a thousand calories before the end of the experiment compared to when they were routinely getting a full night of sleep. Similar changes occurred if you give people five to six hours of sleep over a 10-day period. Scale that up to a working year and assuming one month of vacation in which sleep miraculously becomes abundant, and you will still have consumed more than 70,000 extra calories based on caloric estimates that could cause 10 to 15 pounds of weight gain a year each and every year. Now, I know, I know a lot of things are happening with aging, and it's hard to pinpoint certain things as direct causality, but I really have to wonder if people gain weight faster when they're older associated with a couple of things. Number one, we know as people age, they sleep worse and it's associated with weakening bladder or changing circadian rhythms, different things that cause sleep patterns to be disrupted. So if you're sleeping less, then that's kind of changing the rest of your day. So you're actually less prone to exercise, more prone to eat, and more prone to eat worse food, as we're going to see here in just a second. Of relevance to this behavior is a recent discovery that sleep loss increases levels of circulating endocannabinoids, which, as you may have guessed from the name, are chemicals produced by the body that are very similar to the drug cannabis. Like marijuana use, these chemicals stimulate appetite and increase your desire to snack, otherwise known as having the munchies. Combine this increase in endocannabinoids with alterations in leptin and ghrelin caused by sleep deprivation, and you have a potent brew of chemical messages all driving you in one direction, overeating. Some argue that we eat more when we are sleep deprived because we burn extra calories when we stay awake. Sadly, this is not true. In the sleep restriction experiments described above, there are no differences in caloric expenditure between the two conditions. Take it to the extreme by sleep depriving an individual for 24 hours straight and they may only burn an extra 147 calories relative to a 24-hour period containing a full eight hours of sleep. Sleep, it turns out, is an intensely met metabolically active state for brain and body alike. Pretty wild, right? And actually, I just read in this other book called The Brain, which is going to be the next podcast, that your brain expends about 20% of all calories you burn in the day. And since in sleep, we have a dream state where our brain is reorganizing thoughts, rerunning the day's activities and deciding what is important and not important. Sleep is actually a fairly high calorie event. 
Making matters worse, the less an individual sleeps, the less energy he or she feels they have, and the more sedentary and less willing to exercise they are in real-world settings. Inadequate sleep is the perfect recipe for obesity. Greater calorie intake, lower calorie expenditure. Weight gain caused by short sleep is not just a matter of eating more, but also a change in what you binge eat. Looking across the different studies, Van Cotter noticed that cravings for sweets like cookies, chocolate, and ice cream, heavy-hitting carbohydrate-rich foods like bread and pasta, and salty snacks such as potato chips and pretzels, all increased by 30 to 40% when sleep was reduced by several hours each night. So you start to have these cravings for junk food along with that itch to eat more. You're going to struggle all day with a sense of hunger. You're going to have cravings for particularly carbohydrate and sugary rich foods, which tend to put pack on the calories. We discovered that supervisory regions in the prefrontal cortex required for thoughtful judgment and controlled decisions had been silenced in their activity by a lack of sleep. In contrast, the more primal deep brain structures that drive motivations and desire were amplified in response to the food images. This shift to a more primitive pattern of brain activity without deliberative control came with a change in the participants' food choices. High-calorie foods became significantly more desirable in the eyes of the participants when sleep-deprived. Uh, further down, he says, south of the brain, we are also discovering that plentiful sleep makes your gut happier. Sleep's role in redressing the balance of the body's nervous system, especially its calming of the fight-or-flight sympathetic branch, improves the bacterial community known as your microbiome, which is located in your gut. Okay, so up to this point, we've, we've found out that sleep messes with your brain and decision-making. It messes with the hormones leptin and ghrelin, which cause you to feel hungry and a lack of satisfaction, causes you to crave high carbohydrate and sugary foods, has impacts on your sympathetic nervous system and gut biome. Okay, so moving on, they did some studies on people in weight loss programs. Some were sleep deprived and others were not. He says, although weight loss occurred under both conditions, the type of weight loss came from very different sources. When given just five and a half hours of sleep opportunity, more than 70% of the pounds lost came from lean body mass, muscle, not fat. Switch to the group offered eight and a half hours time in bed each night and a far more desirable outcome was observed with well over 50% of weight loss coming from fat while preserving muscle. When you are not getting enough sleep, the body becomes especially stingy about giving up fat. So it's as if your body is in a state of famine saying like, we are going to starve to death. That's why we're staying up all night trying to find food. We need to pack on the calories and go hibernate. Like that is what it appears to me is the state of, of the body when you're sleep deprived as it pertains to food. So the next section in the book is going on sleep loss in the reproductive system. So not having to do with weight loss, so I'm going to leave it there, but a very interesting chapter as well. So I kind of glossed over the, the part that Matthew Walker describes in people being less willing to actually exercise when they're sleep deprived. 
because their energy is sort of sapped. And of course, it, it correlates with all the other factors we just talked about. When your body's in that state of feeling famine or something that, that you are trying to reserve calories, preserve calories, well, you're not going to, you're not going to be willing to put in an exercise and exercise happens to uh, stimulate all kinds of other hormones that help you feel happy, satisfied, energetic, increases testosterone, all kinds of things that turn out to be healthy, health promoting. And so you're not only struggling with all these food factors and worse gut biome and all that, but your, your energy and willingness to do the things that also promote health when awake is decreased dramatically. So anyway, so I hope you guys got a little bit of value out of this, that sleep is a critical piece of staying healthy, but specifically as it relates to your body weight, your diet, and your energy throughout the day. So uh, if you got some value out of this, please do me a favor, go leave a review and a rating on this podcast, share it, help us reach a broader audience. I appreciate you guys being here. We'll catch you on the next one. Hey, thanks for listening to the entire episode. As a token of gratitude, I want to give you a discount on my book, Ingrained. Head over to bronsonwilkes.com store and download Ingrained for less than a dollar with the coupon code GOALS, G-O-A-L-S.